Chapter Twenty of Peggy Raymond's Way, or Blossom Time at Friendly Terrace, by Harriet Lemis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty, A Surprise. Rather to the surprise of those who knew her best, Peggy had decided on a church wedding, but when she came to give her reasons, the decision seemed characteristic after all. I think it is the dearest house in the world. When Graham and I come back from South America, I hope we can find one just like it, and on Friendly Terrace, too. But it's not what you'd call spacious. A dozen extra people crowd it, and it makes you uncomfortable to have a wedding and leave out so many. Our wedding seems likely to be a unique affair, grinned Graham. From the looks of Peggy's list, the guests will make up in variety what they lack in exclusiveness. What do you think of her asking the bonds? now graham that's not fair i haven't any idea of asking the bond family i only said that elvira had improved so much that i felt like encouraging her by sending her an invitation and the duns she's got them down for all matrimonial responsibilities loom so close graham's boyish fondness for teasing remained one of his most prominent characteristics why graham wylie not the duns at all just jimmy and he's doing so well and looks as nice as any boy and she says she's going to have her Sunday school class, one and all. Well, I should think so. I've taught those girls ever since they came out of the infant room, and they're darlings. And it would break their hearts if I were married and they weren't there to see. Now that her college life was over, Peggy had thrown herself joyously into her planning for the next thing. Ruth, as Graham's sister, was to be the maid of honor. Priscilla and Amy, bridesmaids. They decided on their gowns after hours and hours of delicious deliberation. For a July wedding, organdy was the thing. The sheerest pale pink organdy, with pink roses to match on their wide hats. You'll be dreams, Peggy declared ecstatically. Everybody'll say so. Nonsense, scoffed Amy, as if people at a wedding ever looked at anybody but the bride. I had a letter from Alice yesterday, exclaimed Peggy, changing the subject. She thinks Irma had better be the flower girl instead of Dorothy. She says Dorothy has been shooting up so fast, and now she's lanky and self-conscious, and that Irma is plump and adorable. I only hope dear little Dorothy won't feel left out. That would spoil everything. Robert Carey was to be Graham's best man, a decision which pleased Peggy immensely. Most of the ushers were young men the girls knew, more or less, though Graham had included in the number a comparative newcomer at the office, Kennedy by name, with whom he was on especially friendly terms. "'You ought to bring him out some evening,' suggested Peggy." and not wait till just before the wedding to introduce him no that's right i'll ask him to-morrow to set a time when graham appeared shortly after dinner the following evening peggy and priscilla were addressing invitations graham seated himself lazily in the armchair and congratulated them on their industry have you addressed all that pile to-day yes sir we've been working ever since i got back from the dressmakers about four o'clock priscilla stayed to dinner so as not to lose any time there was a brief silence Two pairs of pens scratched busily while Graham entertained himself by watching the anxious pucker of Peggy's mouth as she wrote each new address. "'By the way,' he remarked, "'he's coming out to-night.' "'Who is?' "'Kennedy.' The scratching of the pens came to an abrupt stop. "'Priscilla?' Peggy cried in tones of horror. "'Graham has asked that Mr. Kennedy to call, and he's coming this evening.' "'You told me to ask him,' Graham defended himself. "'Of course I want him to come, but—' I don't want him to descend on me without warning, and get the impression that you are going to marry a frump. Why, 
i was just thinking how nice you looked both of you graham declared kindly including priscilla who scorned to acknowledge the compliment she rose returned her pen to the writing-desk and said briefly i'm off put on your glad rags and come back priscilla begged peggy who also was making preparations for a retreat oh i think not mr kennedy isn't coming to see me it'll be ever so much nicer if he meets some of you before the last minute ruth says she's got to put in this evening letter writing and amy and bob are going somewhere oh very well i'll be back after a little priscilla spoke nonchalantly but as a matter of fact she was glad of peggy's insistence now that the time was growing so short she grudged every hour she was away from her friend as she left by the door peggy ran up the stairs leaving graham to the companionship of his own agreeable anticipations peggy was back in about twenty minutes looking in graham's estimation very much the same except that her dress was a lighter blue than the other and her hair having been freshly combed did not show as much of the curl he expressed his opinion and peggy smiled tolerantly i wore that old thing because a drop of ink more or less wouldn't matter it's as old as the hills and i made it when i didn't know as much about dressmaking as i do now of course i like to have you think i look nice no matter what i wear but now you're going to be married you'd better learn more discrimination in regard to clothes it would be dreadful to have a new dress and you not able to see that it was any prettier than the old one very well suppose you start on my education right away tell me the fine points about the rig you've got on but before peggy could begin the bell rang and graham's education was left incomplete for the time being mr kennedy was a slender pleasant-mannered young man who looked considerably older than graham partly perhaps because he wore eye-glasses as peggy greeted him she was conscious of something hauntingly familiar in his face i haven't met you before have i she asked it hardly seems that i could have met you and not remember it said young kennedy gallantly i'm very sure i've seen you before however and i believe i've seen you but i don't know where hitchcock would say remarked graham that probably you had been well acquainted in nineveh or babylon or some other ancient burg mr kennedy smiled and took the chair graham pulled forward for him who's hitchcock he asked oh a nut that peggy used to have here till i told her she'd have to choose between us graham what a misleading thing to say well it might give the wrong impression i confess peggy didn't care much about him herself but one of her friends had a case on him sh warned peggy in an agony as she heard priscilla's footsteps outside she filled the somewhat awkward pause by springing to her feet crying as she ran to the door you needn't ring i hear you the results of the half-hour priscilla had given to vanity were more evident graham thought than in peggy's case peggy could be dishevelled and still irresistible priscilla's rather stately beauty was more exacting in its demands in her dress of pale green voila which set off her clear pallor and the beauty of her smooth dark hair she looked the incarnate spirit of spring even graham stared peggy her arm slipped caressingly through priscilla's led her forward priscilla this is graham's friend mr kennedy miss combs peggy stopped short priscilla jumped mr kennedy's conventional smile had changed to startled recognition why you know each other peggy cried only why surely peggy you remember peggy's vague irritating certainty of something familiar in mr kennedy's face was suddenly transformed to recollection oh of course the green parrot oh of course the green parrot mocked graham who had risen on priscilla's entrance and now stood looking from one to another of the trio makes it perfectly clear they took their seats and peggy explained 
helped out by suggestions from the others. As they recalled the absurd experience, the three narrators went off into fits of laughter, but the audience maintained a dignified calm. Take my word for it, John, it's an inscrutable sex. Now I would have sworn that this young woman hadn't a thought I didn't share, and look what she's been keeping from me, lo, these many months. When we're alone, I shall expect you to give me a full account of what really happened. For some reason, the discovery that Graham's friend Kennedy was the young man whose coffee cup had been invaded by Priscilla's roll seemed to put him at once on the footing of an old acquaintance. They had a very jolly evening, and it was not till after ten that Priscilla said, "'Graham, I think you'd better take me home now. I've got a busy day before me.' "'You have indeed, poor dear,' Peggy cried. "'I expect you to finish addressing those invitations and do any number of errands. These are trying times for my friends, Mr. Kennedy. They have hardly a minute in the twenty-four hours that they can call their own.' The young man smiled at her, in the abstracted fashion of one whose thoughts are on something else. "'Won't you let me be your escort?' he asked priscilla it would give me the greatest pleasure thanks but it's only a step and my going early won't break up graham's evening for he'll come directly back she softened her refusal by giving him her hand and saying pleasantly i'm glad i have met you properly at last with a real introduction you know i shall look forward to the next time said young kennedy with rather more ardor than conventional courtesy required this is our third meeting i believe Third, exclaimed Peggy, pricking up her ears. "'Why, when was the second? "'At one of the football games last fall,' explained Priscilla. "'I was there with Horace Hitchcock, and Mr. Kennedy sat next me.' And then, recalling the suspicious glances Horace had shot in the direction of the guiltless Mr. Kennedy, Priscilla began to blush. The worst of blushing is that it is much easier to start it than to call a halt. There were innumerable things connected with the thought of Horace that made Priscilla uncomfortable— and now she found herself blushing for them all. The tide of color flooded her smooth forehead and dyed her throat. Peggy's observant eyes detected an unmistakable shadow on Mr. Kennedy's erstwhile radiant face. Later, when Graham and herself were alone, she scolded him a little. "'You oughtn't to have said that a friend of mine had a case on Hitchcock. Now Mr. Kennedy knows you meant Priscilla.' "'Well, is that such a tragedy?' "'Couldn't you mention to him some day that Horace did admire Priscilla, but that now he's safely married to another? You could bring it in in a casual way, you know?' Graham looked at her hard. "'My dear Peggy,' he said, "'just because you yourself have been fortunate—unusually fortunate, I might say—in your love affairs, don't let that lead you into trying your hand at matchmaking. Fooling with high explosives is child's play compared to that, believe me.' but instead of seeming impressed by the warning peggy only answered dreamily when he doesn't see horace at the wedding he'll probably begin to suspect that it's ancient history if only priscilla could learn to speak of him without blushing End of chapter twenty